This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we have the great privilege this year of celebrating the Feast of the Dedication of St. John Lateran on Sunday, which gives us a chance as a whole church to think about this great place and this great feast. John Lateran, as you know, is the Pope's cathedral church. St. Peter's is not the church, not the Pope's cathedral church. It's a great basilica, and the Pope lives nearby. But his cathedral church, the cathedra, the chair from which he teaches, that's found at the Church of St. John Lateran, which goes all the way back to the time of Constantine. It's a very ancient uh, Roman basilica and a really great place to visit. When we were filming for the Catholicism series, we had the privilege to film a number of times inside John Lateran. And uh, these magnificent statues of the Twelve Apostles form, as it were, the pillars of the church building. Beautiful symbolism, of course. The apostles are the spiritual pillars of the church. And you can see the cathedra, you see the, the chair, the official see, if you want, the see of the Pope. That's St. John Lateran. It's also known as the mother and head of all the churches. And that's why it's important for the whole Catholic Church to celebrate the feast of its dedication. And so it gives us an opportunity, I think to reflect a little bit on church buildings. Now, I know my generation clearly heard the message that the word church refers not so much to buildings as to the people. I get it, believe me, and I, I, I accept it. I've heard it a million times. It's correct. The people are the church. Okay. Nevertheless, for Catholics, church buildings matter. Why? Why? Because we are a sacramental people. There was a document that came out in the 1970s. I'm going to badmouth it, so any defenders of it, I apologize in advance who like this document, but it was called, um, was it art? not art and architecture, but it was called Art and Environment in Catholic Worship. And it set the tone for a lot of church building in the post-conciliar period. Well, I don't like that document. And one reason is it saw the church building as something pretty secondary, pretty extraneous. It referred to at one time as simply the skin of the worshiping assembly. See, it's, it's the assembly that matters, and the building is just the skin. It's like a tent that's struck when the pilgrim people wander on. Well, that's not Catholic. Yes, the primary referent of the word church is the people. Yes, yes, yes. But the church building is not just a tent that the pilgrim people happen to occupy for a time. The church building is of great symbolic and sacramental importance. And I think, thank God, in recent years, we've begun to recover this uh, sense. What I want to do in light of that basic idea is to look at four fundamental images 
of church buildings. Here's the first one. The church is meant to be the temple. It comes through in our readings today, doesn't it? Temple, temple. For ancient Israel, the temple was everything. The temple was the dwelling place of Yahweh. The temple, the first temple of, of Solomon, was where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. People went up to Jerusalem. That meant they went up to the temple that they might commune there with the very living presence of God. Read through the Psalms sometime. Take out your Bible and look through the book of Psalms. Many of the Psalms are the songs that accompanied the processions to and the worship in the Holy Temple. Once you see that, boy, the Psalms just open up to you. So, our church buildings are meant to be recapitulations, re-presentations, if you want, of the temple. That's why, for example, in Catholic churches, we still have a holy of holies, don't we? The Ark of the Covenant, which contained the, the, the Ten Commandments, it was seen as the, as the container of the living presence of God. Well, we still have that in our Catholic churches, in the tabernacle, where the sacred species are kept, the living presence of God. More to it, we have altars in our churches. They're not just assembly rooms, not just gathering places, but rather in the church, it's an altar, as there was an altar in the ancient Israelite temple. Why is there an altar? Because a sacrifice takes place in church buildings, the sacrifice of the Mass. Again, mind you, we're not just gathering to hear the Word. We do that. But we also gather around an altar of sacrifice, presided over by a priest. There are priests in our churches, not just teachers or doctors. I've often said I don't come out to say Mass wearing my doctoral robes. I put those on when we have our convocation out here at the end of the school year. But for Mass, I don't wear doctoral robes. I wear the robes of a priest. Holy of holy altar, sacrifice, priest. You see how the building is meant to be a new temple. And that means the place of right praise. That means the place where the praise of the people is rightly ordered. And remember now our first reading for today, that beautiful vision from the prophet Ezekiel. When the temple is rightly ordered, that's when water will flow forth from its side for the renewal of the world. So from our church buildings go forth the living water for the renewal of the world. Second image, church buildings are meant to symbolize the new Jerusalem. Remember now in the book of Revelation, when the seer sees the heavenly Jerusalem coming down to earth, it's the perfect city. The city now fully invaded by the presence of God. It has the streets of gold, the gates of pearl. It's a place of beauty, resplendence, jeweled walls. The light in it is light that comes from the Lamb of God. Well, our church buildings are meant to symbolize the New Jerusalem. This is the eschatological dimension of the church, fancy word for end times the world to come. You know, again, I'll go back to criticizing the 1970s 
when I was coming of age, church buildings were meant to look, I think, kind of comfortable, like a living room, like a place where you'd feel comfortable gathering. Well, I don't know. I think a church building is meant to draw you into a higher world. It's meant to be a sign even now of this heavenly Jerusalem. If you go to um, Chartres or Notre Dame, the great Gothic churches, what do you see in the walls? You see stained glass windows. And it was the it was the broken arch and it was the flying buttress that enabled them to uh, build these, these huge windows in the walls. Pretty pictures, yeah, sure. Letting in light, sure, it had that function. But see, the deepest theological meaning of those windows was from the book of Revelation. They were meant to look like the jeweled walls of the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's why, to this day, we use stained glass in our churches. Sparkling, vivid light and color is meant to signal to our minds and hearts a higher world. It's also why Vatican II says a church building should be filled with signs and symbols of heavenly realities. Interesting, isn't it? Again, so many of the church buildings built after the council were empty spaces characterized by a kind of stark, severe modernism. Say what you want about modernist architecture. I just don't think it's all that appropriate for church buildings, which are meant to be resplendent like the New Jerusalem. Angels and saints appear in our church buildings. Why? Oh, because they're pious decoration? No, no, because they're citizens in the heavenly Jerusalem. When we say during Mass at the Holy, the Holy, Holy, may our voices blend with theirs. Well, who are we talking about? We're talking about the angels and saints who sing the praise of God in the heavenly Jerusalem. So we now join with them in our sacramental version of the heavenly Jerusalem which is the church building. Here's the third image. The church building is meant to signal Noah's Ark. So during this time of chaos, the floodwaters have returned because of human sin. What did God do? But he sent a rescue operation in the form of this great ship on which a microcosm of God's good order was assembled. And it was able to perdure during this time of great crisis. Does any of that sound familiar? It should. It's the ongoing story of humanity, isn't it? Sin still pervades the world. The tohu vabohu, that's Hebrew for the primal watery chaos, is still all around us. Watch the news any night of the week to see it. What has God sent? He sent in the form of the church of Jesus Christ his definitive rescue operation on which a microcosm of his good order is preserved. That's us gathered at the Mass, singing his praises, hearing his word, receiving his body and blood. See what I mean? We're like the, the denizens of Noah's Ark. And just as the doors and windows of Noah's Ark were open once the floodwaters receded and the life let out. So at the end of every Mass, we open the doors of the church building and out floods the life which had been preserved on the Noah's Ark of the church. It's no accident that the main part of a church is called the nave, right? N-A-V-E. 
from the Latin navis, which means ship. It's no accident that the great Gothic churches look like ships. The flying buttresses look like oars. The idea is stay aboard this ship and you'll find your way through the difficult waters of this world. Last image. The church building is meant to symbolize the mystical body of Jesus. Right? So I've said many times, Jesus is not just a, a figure that we admire. He's not just a, an immoral exemplar. But he's a field of force. We are grafted onto him. We're members of his mystical body. Well, what happens inside a church building? When you are baptized, you're brought into that building as a little baby, and you're grafted onto Jesus. You are washed, and you are chrismated. You're marked permanently. Now you come back throughout your life to that church building, and you're fed by the body and blood of Jesus, the way an animal is fed from his mother. And, and I want to stress that image. You've come to this mystical body to be fed by Jesus. You are nurtured now like a child in the womb. You're nurtured within the context of that uh, church building. And then when you die and your body is carried out, it's as though the womb of this body has been opened and you are born into a higher world. The point is the building itself is redolent of the mystical body of Jesus. You see, friends, all these images, and they're very rich, all of them. Not every church will have every dimension, but this is part of our great tradition. Church buildings should not be uh, dismissed or, or rendered secondary. They have an enormous sacramental and symbolic significance. And how wonderful we have this feast day of St. John Lateran to remind us of this great truth. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Friends, I'm happy to announce that my new DVD study program, Priest, Prophet, King, is now available. This deeply biblical presentation will help you better understand Jesus and realize your own priestly, prophetic, and kingly mission. Learn more and pick up your copy at priestprophetking.com.